0: It's Mike Halford from the Halford and Bruff podcast. One, thanks for downloading. Two, thanks for listening. Three, why not leave a review while you listen to the podcast? And now,
1: back to the show.
0: What is going on? Happy Friday. Welcome to a Friday edition of Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650. Still no Mike Halford. He'll be back on Monday. Scheduled to be back on Monday anyways. I am Jamie Dodd finishing off the week here alongside Jason Bruff, the official automotive sponsor, of Halford and Bruff is the Delari family of Accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Hour one of the show brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. Uh, another big show you, you heard. Some talk yesterday about the massive news in the NHL. Very relevant from a Canucks perspective as well. The Nazem Kadri signing at 7 o'clock. Eric Francis, who covers the Flames for Sportsnet, is going to join us to dive into that. The Seahawks played an ugly, even for preseason football, an ugly one against the Bears last night. Ian Furness from KJR Radio and Fox TV in in, in, uh, Seattle Uh, will drop by at 7.30 to chat about that. And the Moj, BC Lions play-by-play guy will join us at 8 to preview their game against Saskatchewan. What's going on, bruv?
2: I watched that Seahawks game yesterday, and I had a tally of the mistakes they made, and I ran out of paper in the first half. It was (laughs) was to the point where, uh, you know, as a Seahawks fan, I don't have high expectations for this season, so I was able to kind of laugh at some of the mistakes they were making. It was... uh, it could be a very long season for seattle. Uh, i'm not uh, i'm liking some of their rookies but even even that yesterday th- their rookie uh left tackle yes. charles cross had five penalties and uh he might have been one of their better players. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was that was one of the bright spots. Yeah, that
2: was one of well, the bright we'll, spots. We'll get into it a little bit later, but I mean, we w- we we won't get that much into it. We can talk to Ian Furness about yeah. it, and just uh, I don't think we're going to focus too much on like a Seahawks Bears preseason no. game where a lot of the starters aren't starting any anyway. Uh, I like talking to Ian about the Kraken too. And yep. I, I wonder what Kraken fans are, are thinking about their offseason. But hey.
0: just to your point about, you know, Charles Cross, it's it's really exciting to have, oh, hey, he looks good. He looks like he could be something. But you've also kind of got to accept that there could be games like that. You know, he's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. There, there were just, so many rookie yeah. mistakes exactly. made
2: by rookies, but also veterans. <laughs> Yesterday <laughs> That's by, ideal. Yeah, uh, by the Seahawks. And, I, I also
0: yeah. wanted to mention it is Ask Us Anything Friday. Ah, uh, so you can get your submissions in. We will we will answer them throughout the course of the show. Let's find out if I can hold my own, as one of the texters put it yesterday. Right. Still, still don't really know what that means, but I'll I'll you do took my that best personally, here.
2: Though you took that personally. It's not that
0: I'm. It's not that, a, it's right. not that I, I took it as an insult. As it's much Robin as I was,
2: Suri who texted in? Robin Surrey is just kind it, of like notably a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't worry too much about that. It's
0: not that I took it personally. As much as I was confused by it. I, I didn't really understand the challenge that was being laid out to me. But, but we'll anyway, see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll, we'll see. see Maybe I will by the end it. of the show. Yeah. I'll be like, wow, Rob was really onto something there. Uh lots happened, not just with the with the Seahawks playing a game and other actual games, but also transactionally in sports yesterday. So let's get to what happened.
2: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I
1: missed all the action because I was We know how busy your life can be. What
3: happened? You missed that? What?
0: So we will start, of course, with Nazem Kadri signing a seven-year, $7 million per season deal with the Calgary Flames. We mentioned it just towards the end of our show that Shayna Goldman had tweeted that it looked like Kadri was going to be signing very, very shortly. And I think it was not long after we went off the air that it leaked that it was the Calgary Flames. So he signs a 7 by 7 deal, and as the kind of corresponding move, they trade Sean Monaghan to Montreal uh, with a a very conditional first round pick going the other way but what an offseason for the Calgary Flames yeah. and Kadri living
2: Now i know um a lot of people expected Kadri to sign with the Islanders there was news out there that an offer was on the table for Nazem Kadri and i think an offer was on the table for Nazem Kadri from New York but ultimately he chose Calgary and we had heard the odd whisper about Kadri maybe going to the Flames, but I think a lot of people remember back, or they did remember back when Qadri nixed a trade to the Flames when he was still a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, we've since learned and come to understand, and maybe we we already knew this, but that was still in the back of our mind, that he nixed that trade at the time because he wanted to stay with the Leafs, and he could. Now, ultimately, the Leafs traded him to Colorado, and he had no control over that situation, so he had to go to Colorado, and he ended up winning a Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. But you're right about what the Flames have done this off season because it has been one of the most remarkable off-seasons for a Canadian team um in quite some time. Uh just the roller coaster of what are they going to do? What's happening with this team? I mean, it started out with are they really going to lose Johnny Gaudreau? Mm-hmm. And then they lost him. And then wait a minute is Matthew Kachuk really going to ask for a trade? And then he did. did. or or whatever. And and then they traded him. And then they traded him. And I think before the trade went down, when it looked like Matthew Kachuk was headed out, people were asking the question, and it was a totally legitimate one, are the Flames going to have to rebuild here? Yeah. Looking at their lineup that was bereft of top-tier offensive talent would they have to rebuild when they got back huberdo in the matthew kachuk trade it was clear that they weren't going to rebuild and then especially when they signed him to a big contract extension they really weren't going to rebuild so i think brad sure living was sitting there going and i think we heard a a fridge clip there that he was he, he was of the mind that listen like if, if this is the road we're going down Let's go down it all the way. Let's go. Let's go for it yep. here. And they signed Nazem Khadri. Um And a lot has been made of the age of Nazem Kadri. He's into his 30s. And the age of Jonathan Huberdeau, he's almost into his 30s. Well, they don't really care about that because they're in their window right now. And these next two to three years on paper, they've got a really good team. And just... On the
0: turnaround of the offseason, it wasn't just that they lost Johnny Gaudreau, right, to kind of start the offseason. They were a bit of a punching bag after that because he chose Columbus. Yeah. And it wasn't about money. <laughs> they offered him money. He just wanted out money. of Calgary. He yeah. just wanted to leave Calgary and he went to Columbus. Of all places. Not even really, you know, his. it's closer to home, but it's not his hometown. It's not a premier team. It's not an elite team. Anything like that. They didn't offer more money. He it's, just it's spurned. It's
2: not in a Stanley Cup window no, right now. Ju- no. he
0: just spurned Calgary no. for Columbus, and that really made them a, a laughingstock and a punchline for a little bit there. And then, as you said, all of a sudden, Matthew Kachuk wants out, and it looks like it's going to be a disastrous offseason. The turnaround from where they were then at the lowest point to where they are now, I'm not really sure I can remember anything else quite like it in the span of one off season. And when you look at... What's really fascinating to me is not just that they brought in some really good players, but, okay, you lose Johnny Gaudreau, one of the best playmaking wingers in the NHL. Now you have Jonathan Huberto, also one of the best playmaking <laughs> wingers in the NHL. Right. You lose Matthew Kachuk, you know, a guy with top-end talent who also plays on the edge, can agitate, brings an element of physicality. You have Nazem Khadri, who who... Plays center, plays a different position, but has a lot of those same traits as well. And not that that's the priority. That oh, okay, we have to find players who who fit the same style as those guys. But it's pretty remarkable. You you can kind of plug and play those guys into your lineup with a pretty significant degree of confidence. And you know, we talked a little bit about um, the Athletics front office confidence rankings on the show yesterday, that they pull fans and and see how they how how much confidence they have in their team's front office. And Calgary was fifteenth which, okay, that's average, but given the degree of difficulty that Bradford Living has faced this yeah. year, this is not easy. It is not easy to go from where they were after losing Johnny Gaudreau to where they are now, which when you factor in the fact that they also got Mackenzie Weger mm-hmm. they, they might even be slightly better than they were last year. It's not out of the realm of possibility.
2: Now, don't get me wrong, listeners. I hope this all goes to hell for Calgary. <laughs> I, I hope this is a disaster for Calgary and that because we often see this, right? I remember Mark Bergevin when he was the the general manager of Montreal. On one day he was the smartest guy in the league and the next day like literally the next day it would be like this guy's the dumbest guy in in the NHL and that's the way it goes for general managers sometimes, right? And there might be more uh the roller coaster might not be over for Calgary because mm-hmm. this team still has to come together. Yep. Right the the one thing that they knew that they had with Kachuk, Gaudreau, and Lindholm as a line was they knew that those guys had chemistry and they know those guys work together. How it all works now, who knows? How long some of these guys remain very good players, who knows? When age is a factor. Um, So so don't get me wrong. I I want this all to go very badly for Calgary, but I do think they're going to have a couple years of being a really good team. And I think for Canucks fans or how it affects the Canucks – it makes it harder to make the playoffs next season, no doubt. Uh, when when Gaudreau left and Kachuk was asking out, a lot of people were sitting there going, and they were redoing the power rankings of the Pacific Division, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people had Vancouver second. They would have Edmonton first, Vancouver second, and then. Vegas is in all sorts of trouble. Yep. So, they, so I, I heard some people putting Vegas below the Canucks and Calgary was down there missing the playoffs. Well, I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think no. you'd put, I don't think you put Calgary below Vancouver now. No. Uh, so, so that is, um, that's bad news for the Canucks and Canucks fans that, that 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 want this team to finally make a run at the playoffs and actually have real playoff games at Rogers Arena But I think the question that was getting a lot of uh, talk on social media yesterday from Canucks fans was, okay, so Kadri goes to Calgary. What does Colorado do now? Do they do anything to address the fact that they've lost a second-line center? Who's their second-line center now, JT Comfort? Yeah. I suppose they could move. I think at one point Rantanen might've been playing center for them in the playoffs when they had all sorts mm-hmm. of injuries. I mean, I don't think that's ideal. So Colorado, do yeah. they do anything but, but, but the, the team that's getting the, the most attention right now and whose fan base is very frustrated right now is the New York Islanders who were believed to be the front runners for Nazem Kadri. They don't get him. A lot of people wanted them to take a run at Johnny Gaudreau also. They obviously didn't get him. They really haven't done much. No, they haven't
0: done anything. I mean, they, this did, they, they made the Romanov trade, but that's, yeah. you know, does, how much does that really move the needle for you? And to your point about the frustration there in Long Island, uh, Kevin Kurtz, who covers them for The Athletic, he, he wrote a piece last night, the title, Islanders' inability to land Nazem Kadri is their latest offseason failure their latest offseason failure, right? That's the mood in Long Island. It's just, oh, another thing they couldn't get done. And I don't know if Lou Lamorello is going to, you know I, I think there's kind of a fantasy <laughs> among Canucks fans that now Lou is gonna, you know, come hat in hand back to the Canucks and like, oh, I didn't get You Yeah,
2: can we can we talk about JT Miller now? And no. Who knows? But I just don't see a, I I don't see a deal between the Islanders and the Canucks either. I can't for the life of me, think of anything that makes sense. The Canucks are not going to get Noah Dobson for GT no. Miller.
1: Let us dream, uh, bruv. Let I know, us dream. I, I saw
2: you. I saw you on Twitter yesterday. Make stirring that. things up,
1: I, but honestly, I was. It was cheeky. I mean, I. Yeah. I know it's not going to happen. It was just like, oh god, that'd be incredible. But it, it, obviously, it's not going to happen. So I just. And I just gotta, then, I and just and gotta I, forget about it. And I
2: think I don't think Lou Lam is the type of guy to panic. No. Right.
1: People were saying, Pollock is it." might be if anything were to happen defensively that they were to trade to us, yeah. he would be the guy, not Dobson. And he's still a very good defenseman, but obviously I'm not the guy I'd be targeting. Yeah. Dobson's like, he's incredible. He's only 22, and he's got 50 points last season, so RHD no less.
0: Yeah, and as you pointed out, I, I don't know that it's going to be an immediate panic move. I do think there's pressure to do something, right? And he, he wants to rebound from last year, and obviously they haven't been able to significantly improve their team, but, uh, you know... <laughs> It is funny, because even the first text we got in, 650-650, uh, to the dumb text line today was, seeing that most predictions were incorrect about Kadri going to be Islanders, I have more optimism that Miller is going to be Islanders now. And I just, look, I could be or wrong. Or some who other knows?
2: random team.
0: Yeah, and who knows? Maybe there is even more of a domino effect. But I do find sometimes we get, we think, okay, the market is just being held up by this one player. And once there's a trade that, ha- or once that gets resolved, then all of a sudden you're going to see this flurry of moves. I'm not necessarily expecting to see that yet.
2: So, Jamie, can you explain to me the trade conditions of the <laughs> uh, the Sean Monahan trade to to Montreal? Just just run it through. Just, I, uh, just run just it really through really quickly. quickly. Just really off, quickly. off the top of your head, can yeah, you do
0: it? Off my head, I sure cannot. The most complicated trade conditions I can recall seeing in a, in a transaction, certainly in the NHL. But I, I don't know. I can't remember one like that in any sport, really.
2: Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have picked up a c- conditional first round pick. Um for the pleasure of taking on Sean yep. Monaghan's contract. I don't even know if Monahan's going to play this season. Uh, he says he, he's healthy.
0: It sounds like he, he's working out. He said he, he, I,
2: I don't think he's 100% healthy No, yet. he
0: said he wasn't going to
2: jeopardize
0: his chances to get back by pushing it, but it sounds right. like the plan is to play this season for sure.
2: Uh, Carey Price probably won't, though. Nope. Um, I don't know what expectations for the Montreal Canadiens should be for this season. I know they're not high, but I don't know if they're down there with Chicago – or Arizona, I don't know if they're legitimately going to be in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. I, I suppose they could. I mean, you only have to finish what
0: tenth r- realistically, yeah, like
2: bottom ten. They're yeah. not
0: going to be in a running for. I don't think they're going to be in the running. No one. They're not touching Arizona and Chicago. But right. could they finish with the you know fourth worst
2: record in the league? Sure,
0: fifth something like that. I think so. I think that's very plausible.
2: But they've got uh, more draft capital. And remember, they've just had a draft where they've had two first-round picks, including the first overall pick. Uh, they picked up a young guy in Kirby Doc, who I'm really curious to see. Because mm-hmm. I don't really know how good he is. And I don't know if Habs fans were over the moon with that that acquisition, no. considering the alternatives. I think
0: there's a lot of people who are kind of out on Kirby Dock. Yeah, know, had, the, had the really impressive rookie season and then hasn't really built on that. And, uh, you know, I get it. I, I, I always... When, when you have somebody who has that kind of draft pedigree and who showed that kind of potential, I understand taking a swing, but I'm not sure it's going to be the kind of coup that when you think about, hey, oh, hey, we acquired a guy who was a third overall pick. It works recently. so well for Drew Ann there. Yeah. So why not? Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: text into the Dunbar Lumber text line, Gerard Newhook and a pick for Miller. Man, it must be nice to be in your head.
1: Well, you guys match- that's a happy
2: place right there. That's an optimistic place. Uh Frege actually mentioned uh, the Samuel Gerard angle on a hit. Uh, I think it was with Tim and Friends yesterday. and he was saying that,, um, you know, there was a lot of people that were wondering if the abs were going to trade Gerard to make room for Nazim Qadri. And he even insinuated that maybe Qadri was waiting for the abs to do something like that. And that's why this decision took so long. Mm-hmm. And the Avs are not going to do that. Um, I think that would be a huge return for JT Miller. at this point. It
0: sure would, yeah. And I do, I do wonder if you know because there was we heard that there was the um, the offer on the table from the Islanders. Maybe Colorado was trying to do some different things to clear up space. I wonder if if the reason Calgary got Cadre was just the fact that they were willing to. Up and give up a first-round pick to get off Sean Monaghan and open yeah. up the cap space. And we've heard over and over and over again how difficult it is to clear cap space. Teams are trying. We know that. Teams are trying. And Calgary actually succeeded, and that might be where they got him.
1: Well, not to put you guys on the spot, but if there is a deal to be had between the Avs and the Canucks for Miller, what is a realistic return? Like, what would they be targeting that actually would make sense for both teams?
2: You've put me on the spot, and I just don't know. Yeah, because I, I, I was looking I, at not rock- go. I don't necessarily go through all this. I don't – like,
3: because what could it be? What could it be? Realistically,
0: I, I mean, I think there was the thought, and it probably was never remotely realistic, but when there was the uncertainty around Bowen Byram, right? Okay, you look sure. at that as a fit. Yeah. There's no uncertainty around him right. anymore. He, he had incredible. an incredible Stanley Cup playoff. So that's, that's, out, that's out now. Yeah. And then, yeah, you talk about Alex Newhook. Other than that, I, I'm not a you know Colorado Avalanche prospect expert, so I don't yeah. know if they have that other kind of blue chip guy that you you know I, Sat always says they're looking for a premium asset, right? Do they have that? They Do better this, get does Colorado a premium
2: asset. You'd think so, um, Laddie. You said you had some uh, good remarks from Brad Tree Living on, on on where were we when you when you said that?
3: <laughs> uh, it was a little bit ago, but you were talking about the cap situation. and okay. how teams are kind of hamstrung right now because of their cap situations, and then Tree Living sort of. Uh, Echoed that thought and then gave a reason why they were able to get out of that with the Monahan contract.
1: You know the leagues the leagues capped out. If you look around right now, there's not a lot of teams with a lot of space. So, you know that that precipitated you. You know you're trying to balance both. You try to get a deal done, and then you know you've got to you've got to create space um, if you're able to if you're able to get the player. So it was a bit of a juggling act. I felt we felt pretty comfortable that. You know, we had something in place with Nas over the course of the last week or so. um, And then it was a matter of trying to find, you know, trying to create some room for him.
2: I I wonder now if when teams sign players, older players to long term contracts now, if they just accept that at some point, they're probably going to have to give up an asset to get rid of the contracts like, is it part of doing this? Is it part of the cost of free agency? You know how in free agency, they say the great thing about free agency is it doesn't cost (laughs) you anything to sign these players. You don't have to give up an asset. It's kind of like a, it does now. Yeah. You almost like, you don't necessarily have to do it, but if you want to maintain, or if you want to get rid of that contract, there's a price out there. Now all that could change in a few years when we hopefully get beyond mm-hmm. the flat mm-hmm. cap situation and revenues return to normal and their salary cap growth. But I do wonder if it's gotten to that point now because we've seen it so many times and we've seen it with contracts that were signed before the pandemic.
0: Yeah. And it is interesting because as much as you hear, oh, it's so hard to move salary cap. It's so hard to clear space. You can do it. You just have to be willing to pay the price. And in this case, it was you know a first round pick, a, an extremely complicated conditional first round pick. It is interesting because Calgary picked up the extra conditional first round pick from Florida in the Matthew Kachuk trade. So they're right. They're actually not they're they're gonna have still the appropriate amount, the allotted amount of first round picks over the next few years because it'll be either, and as you said, extremely complicated conditions, it'll be either their pick or Florida's that eventually goes to um Montreal. And I, I actually think when you consider it that way, you know, if they had just included Sean Monaghan to Florida, in the deal and not gotten that first round pick, it would look like even more of a win, right? Like, right. wow, yeah, they got Weger yeah. and Huberto mm-hmm. and they got, and they Sean, got of Sean Rana, yeah. you know what I mean? If that, mm-hmm. if that, that's kind of how it worked out in the end. And it looks pretty impressive from that perspective. Th- there,
2: there are some people wondering if Brad Ture living isn't done too
0: well he said himself i believe in his availability yeah. that they'd like to add on the wing that's kind of their the obvious area when you look at the team you know they're strong down the
2: middle now with kadri well the lutchich contract is looking like the the one mm-hmm. that they would want to get off and i i would i would even <laughs> i even saw on on Twitter, a bunch of Bruins fans talking about the return of Lucic to, to Boston <laughs> to give them something and uh, to give them some snarl, some some nastiness. And I was like, okay, they,
0: you so might they, not recognize them, but... They, uh, they're talking about the Boston model in Boston, and they need yeah. some more meat and potatoes there.
2: He's still terrifying, though. Oh, Lucic yeah. is still terrifying. So right now, uh, how would you rank the Pacific Division? I'm putting you on the spot So right now.
0: I would definitely have Calgary as the favorite. Yep. I will say the one thing with calgary and it's easy to say okay they're going to be really good this year but there's trouble coming you know in the neck down the sure. road I, you look at the number of their core players that are over 30 and it's kadri it's you know blake Coleman, backlund Toffoli, tanev markstrom Whenever you have that many guys who are going to play big roles who are over 30, there's always risk that not even down the road, but this year it goes poorly, right? Like enough Mm -hmm. of those guys get injured, enough of those guys slow down, that all of a sudden instead of being an elite Stanley Cup contending team, you're, you know, the fifth best team in the Western Conference or something. So I think that's possible. I
2: I have trouble. I always have trouble putting a lock on a team to make the playoffs. Yeah. And we've seen some really good teams miss the playoffs. Vegas last year. Uh, things happen, right? I remember, the uh, didn't the Kings win the Stanley Cup the next year they missed the playoffs? Yeah. it's sometimes... uh, Anyway, go on. So
0: anyways, yeah, to your point, though, it's not a lock, right? There's risk. There is risk. As much as I like these moves, and I think Trey Living deserves a ton of credit, there is risk even this season for Calgary, but I still have them number one in the Pacific. I'd probably go Edmonton number two, LA three, and then maybe Vegas four, Canucks five.
2: Yeah. That's that's just kind of off the top of my head. That's fair. I think there's that... Trying so, to try not, trying to power rank the uh, the Pacific Division is is really difficult. And I should say, people really always difficult. we we do these predictions in preseason. And, oh,
0: you think L.A. is way better than the Canucks? Well, the way difference <laughs> the difference could be like yeah. two points. Yeah, Th- one point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean between those final three teams that I mentioned. So would it shock me at all if the Canucks finished third in the Pacific? Not even a little bit. But it's just a rough kind of as we sit here on you know August nineteenth. That, that that's how it looks to me. But who knows? I do have Calgary. Uh, number one in the Pacific right now.
2: So we'll continue this conversation and maybe dive into the Dunbar Lumber text lines uh, for your thoughts on the Calgary situation, uh, how it affects the Vancouver Canucks. It's also Ask Us Anything Friday, so get your Ask Us Anythings into the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. Deshaun Watson was suspended 11 games yesterday and then said a bunch of BS after the fact. Uh, We can dive into some of his remarks
1: as well it's the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650
0: Welcome back to the Friday edition of Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650. The official automotive sponsor of Halford and Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Hour one of the show brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. It is, of course, also an Ask Us Anything. Friday here on the show, so get your submissions in. We'll read them throughout the course of the show. We had one on uh, on Twitter last night from Alan L, who said, Ask us anything. How relieved are you that you don't have to talk Padres and Pirates now that Cadre has finally signed?
3: I'm distraught, personally. <laughs> yeah,
0: Laddie's baseball is He's out of like, the spotlight, and Laddie is not pleased with it.
2: Laddie enjoyed watching me like panic talk about baseball like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> now, the
3: Padres, they're
2: still in San Diego, are they? <laughs> Good for them. Is
3: Tony Gwynn still a fan? Still, <laughs> still three strikes and you're out? Still three? Okay. All right. <laughs> now
2: I know they were making they were talking about making some rule adjustments, and I thought that might have been in consideration, but I I I guess not. Uh, it's ask us anything here on the Halford and Bruff show. Jamie, Dodd in for Halford. Last time you're in for Halford yes. this week, it's yes. it's been a slice working with you. Well, I appreciate um, that. Uh, here's one from Rob the Super. This isn't Robin Surrey, so don't worry. Uh, would you give JT Miller seven million for se- over seven by seven, the same contract that Kadri got? So seven years, forty-nine million dollars. And is there any way he would take that offer, or has what Calgary has done uh, priced JT out of the Canucks altogether? Okay, let's start with the first question: Would I give JT Miller seven by seven? No, I would not. I would not. And I would not do that. The answer is the, the reason is because I do not believe the Canucks are um, in their Stanley Cup window right now. The one thing that people do not appreciate enough about Calgary is how good their defense is. Their defense is top five in the league, and they're a young defense. They are, mm-hmm. outside of Kristana, most of the guys, if not all of the guys, are in their 20s they're there.
0: Not, and yeah, and deep. Hannafin, 25. Anderson, 25. Wiegers, 28. Yeah. Shillington, 25. Right.
2: Yeah. They've got a really good blue line core. I think they're more ready to compete for a Stanley Cup now than the Vancouver Canucks are. So I would not do that. Would he take that offer? I have no idea. I, I, yeah. I, I really don't. Um. You know, I... I haven't even really heard the of the numbers that have been tossed around. Like, do, have we had any reporting on what he wants or what the Canucks have been willing to go to? I it's been so tight lipped there.
0: My sense, listening to Sat, who I think has kind of had,
2: he's been I, the best reporter. Yeah, at this. Really, yeah, really, I would say.
0: Yeah. I, and as you said, it's been pretty tight, so the information's still hard to come by. But what would, the sense I'm getting from listening to Sat is maybe it's something like seven million over six years that they've been offering, and that's not in the ballpark that JT Miller is looking for. I don't know if 7 by 7 would get it quite done. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but the other thing I look at is, you know, Nazem Khadri's 32 right now, um, or excuse me, he's, he's 31 right now. He'll turn 32 in, uh, in October. So basically, he's going to be 32 when this deal starts. So that's a full two years younger than, or, or sorry, two years older than JT Miller. Right. And I just have to look at that. He looks at this as kind of the baseline, right? And this mm-hmm. is also a deal. That's that the also, minimum. Yeah, exactly. This is the minimum. And and if you're going to sign now, are you going to take what's basically the baseline minimum deal that you think you can get in next year's free agency? And I'm not sure that would be enticing enough for him to, to, him to do that.
2: Uh, Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen. Ask us anything. And this is relevant to the heat in Vancouver. What is your favorite flavor of Slurpee? I actually went to 7-Eleven yesterday to buy oh. the kids a Slurpee. I didn't get one myself, which was surprising because normally I'll take advantage of that. I'm pretty boring. I'm a Coke Slurpee guy. All right. Every time I'll go there, Coke or Pepsi or whatever is being offered. I don't like delving into the, like, here's a tropical pineapple one. I was like, that seems really sweet.
1: Ruff's like, do you have just clear vanilla? Just
3: almost flavorless? Uh, water? Yeah, yeah. you guys have a water <laughs> Like Slurpee? Riccio yeah. with yeah. the salted <laughs> chips. Is that his favorite? Or... <laughs> salted chips? That, that's, that's his favorite flavor is just salted.
2: I'm pretty boring with that. Uh, Jamie, this is where you got to hold your <laughs> you own in this conversation. You're like, here. I haven't had a Slurpee in <laughs> 30 years. Are you, how old are you guys, 14? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I would say this came up recently, actually, and I don't, like, a blue Slurpee, and I know blue is not really just a blue. traditional flavor, but yeah. you know what I mean, right? Yeah, that's whatever like, it is. It that's on the golf course when you, when
2: you go in after nine holes, and they're like, "I'll have a blue Powerade." <laughs> yes, you don't even exactly. know that. That could be any. That could be any flavor yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> just like I, I feel like I need, I need something blue. <laughs> I just like not I'm red, enjoy. not red, not orange, blue. I have,
0: I have. Stocked up on blue Powerade at the ninth hole or after yeah. the ninth hole at the turn many a time in my in my life, um, <laughs> so I know exactly what a you're a talking blue
2: about. Powerade pairs very nicely with a hot dog. That's what the, that's what all the experts a say. A Snickers
0: bar, a Snickers oh, bar, I'm and a, a blue big Powerade. Bar, yeah, can't be, yeah can't be that
3: swishing so around
2: Powerade. I would say a mm. blue. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Draw, yeah. Draw, yeah. Draw, Give a little Rob drinks his
1: Powerade like he drinks wine. <laughs> <Powerade> <laughs> this is a twenty
0: twenty one vintage.
2: All right, from Slurpee talk to Deshaun Watson talk, because I want to talk a little bit about this because this story is just infuriating to watch, and and it's not me saying it's infuriating to watch because of what Deshaun Watson did, although that is infuriating. It's more just all the BS Mm -hmm. that we're hearing coming out of this. Uh, So Deshaun Watson was suspended for 11 games yesterday. Originally, It was six games, the NFL appealed that, the NFL and the NFLPA came together, and they decided on 11-game suspension, which just so happens to make Deshaun Watson available for the game against the Houston Texans on December 1st. Isn't that funny how they came up with that? Uh, What was particularly galling yesterday was Deshaun Watson still maintaining that he hasn't done anything wrong in this, and yet he's apologized. And said, I'm taking full accountability yeah. for this. You see the statements like I'm I'm about accountability, uh, but I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And when people said, Well, wait a minute, if you if you think you haven't done anything wrong, then why are you apologizing? And his answer was like, Well, I'm apo- I'm just apologizing to everyone that was quote unquote affected by this. It's just like this blanket apology. Affected how? Yeah. But what so what does that even mean if you're saying that You're apologizing, but you don't think that you've done anything wrong. And I wonder if the NFL heard that yesterday and they were like, come on, man. Because I was reading some reports. um, uh, I think this one was by Mike Florio in Pro Football Talk. He was pretty dialed in on this situation. And one of the um, factors in the NFL saying, okay, we'll you know, agree to this 11 game suspension with the NFLPA, and we won't push it any further than that, was that Deshaun Watson accepted responsibility for this situation. And actually the original judge who gave the six game suspension said that one of the factors in this, and the, the, the suspension actually could have been shorter than six games, but he showed a lack of remorse in this situation. He continues mm-hmm. to show this lack of remorse, like he's done nothing wrong. Now, it is a little complicated because legally speaking, two grand juries have refused to indict him. So you're the legal expert. Well, I don't know if I want to call you that. Kind of a legal expert. Yeah, you did go to law school. I, yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, so wh- uh, is, is he t- is he maintaining this innocence? for criminal reasons, or do you think he truly believes, hey, man, I didn't do anything wrong, but if you want me to apologize, I'll apologize. If it yeah. gets me back to playing football and making millions of dollars, I'll apologize. Who are you apologizing to? Everyone. My
0: sense is it's probably more the latter, right? Because as you said, as you said, grand the grand juries have already declined to indict him, right? And the standard to be indicted and to be criminally charged and found guilty is very high, a straightforward apology is not going to all of a sudden make prosecutors turn around. I don't think. And again, look, I'm not actually a legal expert. Certainly not in, you know, American criminal law or anything like this is concerned. Right. But I, I, I think sometimes people get the idea that, oh, if you admit you did anything wrong, all of a sudden your whole legal case is out the window and you're cooped. And I don't really think that's the case. And certainly you can you could make a vague apology without admitting to any specifics, right? But also without doing the, oh, and by the way, also I didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? And that's the that's the really thing here. It's not just that the apologies are vague. You would love to see very specific and a very specific understanding of what he did wrong. It's that he's trying to have it both ways. He's trying to yeah. apologize, but then also say, oh, and by the way, I did nothing wrong. And I also don't really think it's a legal strategy because you look at people in his camp and they're almost going on the offensive, right? Like there was... You know, his agent declined comment in kind of an aggressive way to uh, Jenny Vrentis, who's a great reporter, great football reporter with the New York Times, which, hey, look, you're allowed to decline comment. But there was this kind of air of, oh, yeah, you think you're going to get a quote from us? And then his quarterback coach, Quincy Avery, Deshaun Watson's quarterback coach in the offseason is, you know, attacking the reporter for even asking for comment and and, and relaying it. And so there's this weird kind of arrogance, not just from Deshaun Watson, but from people in his orbit as well, which suggests to me that it's. It's not this kind of grand legal strategy. It's more just uh, they don't want to admit that they did anything wrong.
2: The headline in, in Florio's piece on Pro Football Talk did Deshaun Watson dupe the NFL into thinking he was accepting responsibility? And if that's something that Florio has heard from a league source, uh, wait a minute. You know, like w- Deshaun, the reason we agreed to this suspension was because you accepted responsibility. And now you're sitting here saying, I didn't really do anything no. wrong, and I'm only apologizing to people that were quote unquote triggered by this. That's like this blanket apology. Yeah. Where you just be like, I'm, so- I'm-, I'm sorry if you felt that way. Mm-hmm.
0: It's the classic, I'm sorry if you were offended, right? Yeah. It's like, it's putting, it's almost putting the responsibility on the other people for becoming offended rather than actually taking responsibility for his actions that mm-hmm. were the cause of things.
2: And he has to comply with treatment recommendations. Now, this is all part of the, the suspension. And it was noted yesterday that if he doesn't comply, his reinstatement could be delayed. So <laughs> it's one of these things where you're like, well, wait a minute, if you maintain that you've done nothing wrong, then what is you know counseling going to do for you? What is therapy going to do for you? If you, isn't the first yeah. step to admit that you did something wrong? If there Maybe no that's error. part of
0: the therapy. I don't know. If there was no error in the first place, then why are you taking these corrective
2: measures? And, what, and, what are you going to learn? And here? why are the Browns saying we're going to donate millions of dollars to you know charities that address sexual assault or yeah. or, or, or like it, it is just, it is just a pile of spin. And uh, sidestepping responsibility, and yet using statements like "I take accountability for it." Well, it's like you're doing actually the complete opposite. And this this text comes in. How
0: about the fact that the league let him have the best salary protection contract ever signed? It, it remains bizarre the Browns' decision to give him that deal, and as as the texter says, specifically structured to limit the amount of salary he will lose, or he would lose in the event. Uh, of a suspension, which has obviously happened. The whole situation is just completely strange. I'm sure the NFL desperately wishes that it would go away. I'm sure Deshaun Watson and the Browns desperately wish it would go away, but their behavior is ensuring the opposite, right? It's ensuring that people are going to keep asking questions and keep wondering what the heck is going on here. Uh,
2: Let's return to some um, more enjoyable topics. Uh, To Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd in for Halford. If you have any ask us anythings, send them into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650. 650, it is the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or in Vancouver online at dunbarlumber.com. Adam, the former bath guy, ask us anything. If you had to road trip across the country with one of your 650 coworkers, who would you choose? To be perfectly honest, I would not choose Halford. I would not choose Laddie. I would not choose Andy or Dom. No. I might choose you, Jamie. Wow. Because uh, now I'm not saying this is the start of a bromance, but I just feel like you would be a responsible, uh, first of all, driver. You could drive. Mm -hmm. Um, You wouldn't talk too much. I feel like you'd be. You'd be one of these guys that probably has a podcast that he listens to sure. quietly, or maybe re- reading a book that he enjoys and is really engrossed in that book. And yet, if I did want conversation, we could have a good conversation.
0: I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I do think it is kind of funny because, like, would it be
2: trans for you, or would that just be no, <laughs> it no would chance? Not be
0: trans for <laughs> no me, no chance. So these kind of questions come up. I think when Reach and I did it last week, somebody asked. Um, who at 6.50 we want to be roommates with. And I always feel bad. I thought about this after the show. I always feel bad giving this answer, and I'm not trying to suck up. But Cam Barra is a very easy guy to get along
2: with. Absolutely, yeah. So I
0: could see Cam.
2: Program director. Program director. And Cam I'm not, Barra. Like, Oh,
0: I love the boss. Like, I feel hey, like- Hey, Cam,
2: I-, I did the dishes again. <laughs> yeah.
0: I feel like an idiot and I suck up. Singer, this time. <laughs> but he's just a—he's a chill guy. He's an easy hang, which you know can't necessarily right. say about everyone no. at six fifty. So Barrow would be on my list. But yeah, I mean, I—I I do feel like, uh, as to your point about you know, you don't—I wouldn't be talking all the time. It is always kind of funny because I consider myself. Strance would be, Yes, yeah, Strance would be, yeah. I, I consider myself an introvert, even though my job is to go on the radio and talk mm-hmm. a lot, but yeah, you're right too, like, sure. in, in just normal day-to-day conversation. I, I wouldn't be yakking your ear off. So You'd ask one question that. at the start of the trip and he'd yeah, be finished his exactly. answer by the time. It you,
3: like, did you, did you just do be you like, why don't
2: you sit in the back for a bit? You no, can I- st- keep <laughs> talking, but I would have one of those, uh, um, the screens that go up that you could yeah. pre- you know in limos that just like one yeah. of those plexiglass screens is, makes like, really
3: loud
1: noise yeah uh, <laughs> he'd be, he'd be giving uh, you facts of everything you're driving by Like, some, like uh, oh I noticed you're
2: putting up the plexiglass 3000 and it was just <laughs> well it was good talking to you like...
1: you know the glasses
0: Homer gets when he's doing jury duty that oh, make yeah. it look like he's still awake and he's
3: yeah just I'd just have like one of those and I'd be driving with over. them too you quickly cast me off though bro that you wouldn't go with me but I have made the trip across Canada multiple times likewise
2: yeah you'd be like oh when are we in Hamilton yeah did
3: you guys know 17 about hours Hamilton? to Hamilton?
2: You would <laughs> know Ontario though. Have uh... you driven across uh, what is the what is that area called? Uh, great the, the shield or something like that Canadian like shield. Northern, ontario. northern ontario yeah like yeah. have you driven that must be is that do you think that's the worst part of that's driving the, or is most, it the prairies most
3: boring part is probably you've done that well the the, the prairies are boring because yeah there's nothing for miles but mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot of forest area like when you get to thunder bay, thunder bay to and work your way is down it's yeah. it's just a you forget how long ontario is because it's like 2 days to get to that point right. and then another 2 days just to get through that like stretch of ontario I've never um,
2: done the trip across Canada. I never really want to.
1: I've driven... It's nice once. It's uh, nice once. It's I've driven 30th time. It yeah.
0: I've driven from here to Montreal, but I didn't go over the Great Lakes through Ontario. I went down through the States. A lot of people like to go yeah, over. Because yeah, because it's... A lot faster, actually. You a little bit go quicker go and you can way. go a little bit faster. Yeah, you can go. You can drive a lot yeah. faster, which is the key here, for sure.
2: Uh, Biz from Vancouver with an ask us anything. Any chance the Canucks sign JT Miller and trade Bo Horvat to upgrade the defense and would you do that? When you say would you do that, it all depends on what the deal is. Yeah. Like, how am I upgrading the defense? In both We ways. did talk about this, though, um, earlier in, it was probably last season that we started talking about it. You know, uh, when JT Miller is going off and having the season that he did, a lot of people are like, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this question because Horvat is the the captain and I know, you know, everyone pretty much likes him and he was drafted and developed by the Vancouver Canucks. Um, but how about keeping JT Miller and trading Bo Horvat if we're doing this? And then you have Pedersen and JT Miller mm-hmm. d- down the middle. Um, listen, I think the Canucks are in a situation where they got to consider everything. But what I've heard and what we continue to hear is that they're on track to sign Bo Horvat for a contract extension. Um, Management has spoken differently about the Horvat situation than they have about the J.T. Miller situation. They've said um, more definitively like they're going to keep Bo Horvat and sign Bo Horvat. And they've spoken more who knows what can happen with the J.T. Miller situation, but they've allowed that they're a long way apart apart in negotiations with J.T. Miller, and they haven't really said anything about that with Bo Horvat. But the Bo Horvat contract situation has quietly not resolved itself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
0: And it is the kind of thing where, to the texter's question, look, is there a hypothetical world where... The Canucks keep JT Miller and trade Bo Horvat, and they're better off than doing the reverse. Yeah, sure. As you said, it depends on the deals, the contract for Miller, what you're getting in return for Horvat. But to your point, what management has said about the Horvat deal is very, or Horvat in general, is very, very different. Every time the big insiders like Elliot Friedman bring it up, they say, not hearing anything about Bo Horvat. His name's not out there. It doesn't seem like it's going Mm -hmm. that way. So it's the kind of thing where... Although Johnny
2: Gaudreau went to Columbus and we were all like, (laughs) wow, I didn't hear anything about that. That (laughs) was
0: out of nowhere. But it's the kind of thing where how much time do you want to devote to kind of hypothetically talking about something that seems to have almost no chance of happening, right? And I think that's what it is, yeah. And and it reminds me, sometimes you'll see people on Twitter or people will text in, you know, uh, the Canucks should trade Demko. Think of the haul they'd get, right? And. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you can play kind of fantasy hockey with it, but at a certain point, that's not happening. So why are we spending time talking about it? And with Bo Horvat, yeah, you can make a case for it, but every indication points to that's probably not happening, right? We're we're not going in that direction.
2: Uh, Dan texts in with an Ask Us Anything. I've been married for over 10 years. At what point can I call my wife the ball and chain to my buddies? Uh, that's one of those things where, uh, I'm going to need more information. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're, you're the, the master of your own destiny, man. You can, yeah. you can do whatever you want. I like- t-
2: t- Tell me one thing, Dan. Does your wife like you?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Cause if she, cause if, cause if she doesn't like you, that could be the, it, the final. Is it a happy marriage? Yeah. How are you guys doing? You feel like changing that? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't, but I, I do think it's kind of a, It's a kind of a funny saying because it's just like an old school thing. It's like if someone calls, you're like, what what are we in the fifties here?
0: Yeah. It also is just, there's one thing to do it kind of tongue in cheek when you're doing it seriously and you're like, oh gosh, her again. It's like, yeah. Man, do you, need a, do you need a number for a divorce lawyer or something? Like, Are, th- are you guys okay? Are you on the rocks? How are, how are things going? <laughs>
1: yeah. Honestly, Dan, text in, honestly. I, I, mean, I need to talk keep, to you. I notice you keep introducing me as the old ball and chain. Yeah. And I'm not sure how this is going to go. Yeah, like galas, too. This yeah. <laughs> is <As laughs> the old <laughs> ball and chain. <laughs> is this my ball and chain.
2: Uh, Minor Matt in Abbotsford, uh, ask us anything. If there was no fear of injury or death, would you rather do the, the space jump? Or go deep sea diving in Egypt's Blue Hole. I don't know what the Blue Hole is. No, I imagine I no it's just idea. like a cave. Yes, it looks uh, filled be, with water.
0: It looks to be just a big cave in the Red Sea.
2: And the space jump is you go high, you go so high, like you're technically in space, and then you jump and then out,
0: you f- and then you basically skydive. Oh, and, and you're space, like and space you're jump like, for sure. And you're
2: like chugging Red Bulls or something along the way. <laughs> um, I have often thought about. Um, how I would react if I had to skydive. Because I see a lot of things on social media, like my Instagram account has like some adventure accounts, you know, like these people that have a lot more courage than me. And I just try to picture myself in the plane. And then they're like, and it's not one of those things where the parachute opens right away. They're like, all right, now go jump, free fall for a and little bit. I, d- I don't know if I could actually make myself do it.
1: You just black out. I was like, I remember I was in the plane, and now I'm on the ground. You know
2: what I'd be scared with? Uh, scared about? Well, many things, but I'd be scared that I would get so panicked that my arms wouldn't work and I wouldn't be able to pull the chute. I mean, you
3: know, like freeze up.
2: Yeah, I'd be like, I've got the skydiving yips, and you only get those
3: once.
1: (laughs) 1% of people are affected by the skydiving yips. (laughs) I just, uh, I I guess I would
0: probably do the... well, I might do the, the blue hole one. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. Well, you junkie. love
1: blue Gatorade, so I mean, it yeah, goes exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks but, like Gatorade. I'm
0: going to incorporate all blue into all of my yeah, answers yeah. and ask us anything here today. But I'm just not a big adrenaline junkie. I've never been an no. extreme sports guy. But, if you,
2: but I mean, that's that's why you have to make the decision. Yeah. But
1: What about tandem skydiving? You just get somebody that knows what they're doing to attach themselves to you. For, and for sure. And they do all the work.
2: His name's like Chad or yeah. something like that. Chad, like, all Chad, right, Chad, Chad we're going to do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Please protect me, Chip. It's Chet. Okay. Oh, it's no, oh, yeah. I,
2: I, I do find those guys incredible that de- that do all that. Yeah, just, like and it's like their
1: day to day life. Well, I'm going to jump out of a plane. Do you today. think? Do you
2: think there's something physically about them that the adrenaline doesn't affect them as much as it would the average I think they person get addicted to it? Well, I, yeah, yeah, I, I want to know think it's like, like a, addicted to it.
1: Do you get used to it? Is what I'd want to know. If you do professional skydri- skydiving or like you're a teacher or something and you've done it a thousand times, is it thrilling every single time or is it just another it's, day at the office? It's eventually?
2: probably less thrilling, but I imagine it is still.
1: Pretty I think there's
0: thrilling. still excitement, but not as much as the first couple of times you do And I don't know, addiction might be too strong a word, but there's obviously something where they get more out of the adrenaline
2: yeah. boost than I do. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they,
0: and they want
3: more of it,
2: obviously. Yeah. I like this text. Bruff is the Chuck Knoblock of skydiving. <laughs> I was like, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Why is there a tire in my bed? I was like Mackie Sasser trying to throw the ball back to the pitcher. I just, I just kept on
3: double clutching. Stakes are a little higher. Stakes are way the- higher,
2: right? <laughs> just like what if, and, and you're, uh, I imagine sometimes you're in radio communication. They're like, okay, Pull the chute. Pull the chute. I'm like, I can't. My arms don't work. And they're like, oh, yes, we, they do. we don't have a contingency for this. We're going to get sued.
1: How did he die? Well, for some reason, he started taking off his shoes mid-skydive.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Keep your Ask Us Anythings coming in. It is Ask Us Anything Friday, 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line. Up next, Eric Francis. He covers the Calgary Flames for Sportsnet. He will join us to talk about Nazem Kadri and the wild roller coaster summer that the Calgary Flames have had. That's coming up next. It's Halford and
1: Bruff, Sportsnet, 650.